Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. Uh, our program is not right versus left. That is right versus wrong. And I am on duty. Terry, what about you? I'm on duty, and I'm excited, Jesse. Anytime I can study St. Thomas Aquinas, man, sign me up. Ooh. We've got a book called Aquinas' Lenten Meditations, 40 Days with the Angelic Doctor. And Dr. Kevin Vost, one of the great authors of our church today, I'll tell you, you're going to love this interview. We're going to cover his book and tell you how to get his book. Also, Jesse, we've got our soul food, but I wanted to mention that a couple good-to-know files. I love this because there's an Anglican bishop in Kenya. He's rejecting the Churches of England's decision to bless same-sex unions. I'm glad he's fighting it right in the Church of England because— they're going along with it, and um, I'm glad there's some kickback there. Also, Daniel Ortega, he released 222 prisoners from Nicaragua. You know, the church has been persecuted there. Mother Teresa's sisters were kicked out. And this, uh, out of the 222 prisoners, there's including priests there, and they're all being deported, thanks be to God, to the U.S. under the problem of uh, persecution there. So let's uh, keep the bishop, uh, if I say his name right, Rolando Alvarez, He's yeah. been after house arrest since August of 2022, and uh, he's refusing to leave. He's a shepherd. He says, no, I'm going to stay with my flock. <laughs> wow, that's... That, that's impressive. Yeah, that's a man with a steel spine, and we need more people in the yep. church like that, Terry. Yep. Men with steel spine. I got a few right. items I want to mention. Yeah. Uh, China threatens revenge for balloons. Yeah. The Chinese defense ministry loudly protested America's... Decision to shoot down a Chinese alleged espionage aircraft over the waters of South Carolina, claiming it was an obvious overreaction. The, the Chinese ministry claimed that the balloon was a weather-related aircraft serving civilian purposes and suggested China could take reciprocal action against American civilian aircraft. Which they that, did. Yeah, that's a threat. No, and they, no, they did it. They, they said that we, there was something flying over China, and they shot that down. So... It's a tit for tat, so to speak. Unbelievable. Hey, Jesse, before... Go ahead, get yeah. some more. Hit, hit me with another one. Go ahead. Yeah. Catholic Vote confronts the Department of Justice. Good, Good. for them. In a massive 200-part series of <clears throat> tweets, Catholic Vote this weekend confronted the Biden Justice Department for failing to make arrests or launch prosecutions in connection with a nationwide rash of hate and criminal violence against Catholic churches and pro-life organizations. Today marks exactly one year since the Justice Department wrote to us promising action on an alarming rise in anti-Catholic violence. Wow. As of earlier this week, the Department of Justice had made zero arrests. Also, DeSantis legislation to kill woke education. Florida Republican <laughs> Governor DeSantis on Tuesday unveiled new legislation taking aim at critical race theory yep. and diversity, equity and inclusion programs in state colleges. New higher education reforms, DeSantis said, quote, must be grounded in actual history, Good. the actual philosophy that has shaped Western civilization. Wow, common sense. We're, all, we're also going to eliminate all uh, DEI, that's diversity, equity, and, and Good for him. And CRT bureaucracies in the state of Florida. What a common sense of a, a governor. I wish I had one out here in California. Yeah, no funding. That will wither on the vine, he said. Finally, House it. GOP tackle admin targeting parents. The House Judiciary Committee subpoenaed the Biden administration demanding FBI Director Christopher Wray, Attorney General Merrick Garland, and Education Secretary Miguel, Miguel Cardona produce documents about the alleged targeting of parents who attended school board meetings to express concerns over radical sex edge and gender-related policies in public schools. So far, they haven't produced any uh, 
They haven't answered the subpoena yet, Terry. Wow. Surprise. Hey, Jesse, I know I didn't watch the football game, the Super Bowl game, but we talked about Harrison Butker. He was uh, we did the interview Friday and I made a comment saying that he'll probably win the game with a field goal. And guess what happened? He did. So let's play a little clip about that. Yes. Mr. Engineer. Also, we have a football player who's a, a, a field goal kicker. Catholic, traditional Catholic guy. I think it's inspirational hearing him talk about his Catholic. He's playing thing. this weekend in the Super Bowl. Yeah, He's yeah. He'll probably weekend. he'll probably kick a field goal to win the game. Butker up, got it. Everything perfect there. Snap and hold, no slipping on. It's just how it works yep. with that guy. <laughs> we just I just had to say that because people at 5 o'clock in the morning were texting me, Jesse. Hey, you called it right, Terry. I said, what are you talking about? You said he was going to win the game with a field goal. He did. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, Terry Harrison Butker, Good when he kicked man. the field goal, they yeah. zoomed in on him. Yeah. His scapular, <laughs> brown scapular, was love dangling it. outside his I uniform. So. Uh, in honor of Harrison Butker, I'm yeah. wearing my bronze scapular outside God my, bless my shirt today. Awesome. Yeah, Harrison Butler, Butker, Butker yep. Terry called it. He kicked the Chiefs <laughs> to a 38-35 victory over the Eagles in Super Bowl, I think, 57. Yeah, 57, I guess. Yeah. Uh, th- th- ter- think about that. That's every kicker's dream yeah, to win. Is, to, yeah. is to win the field gold where the final kick with two seconds left. I'm working on getting him to be interviewed here on Virgin Most Powerful, Jess. You didn't hear about that, did you? Oh, good, good. I want, uh, have, want him to talk about how what went on in his mind. And, I did think he it could be, yeah. You know? Yes. I, I'm going to, uh, my pastor has his number. So, so that you follow it up, brother, because I'm working I'll, on I'll it. I'll follow it up on Thanks. it today as soon as I get off the show. Okay. Yeah, he had 11 seconds left in the game, uh, and he kicked the 27-yard field goal, and, uh, <laughs> and he sent the Chiefs to their second Super Bowl win in four years. That's right. Uh, yeah, Terry, this guy is, uh, he's the real deal. Yeah. This guy is an acolyte at the TLM over at his <laughs> parish. And then I just found out yesterday that my daughter-in-law, they, my, my son, yeah. my youngest son and daughter-in-law live, yeah. they live in, out there in Kansas. Yeah. My daughter-in-law gets her hand-me-down clothes from his wife, Isabel. Is that a hoot? <laughs> yeah. She called me and she goes, oh, I get hand-me-down <laughs> clothes. Me, us, a couple of girls, Catholic women at the parish, we get hand-me-downs. That's awesome. From her. That is awesome. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll uh, work on that today. You got it. And just anything else before we got some uh, soul food? Yeah, Terry, just okay. wanted to say that the, the it looked like the FBI they released a memo that they oh, wanted yeah. to go after what they call radical traditional yeah, Catholics. Let me give you a break. Uh, and uh, and now all of a sudden, I guess there has been a backlash. So the FBI has now released a statement saying that it's 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 uh, not back. only re- retracting. Yeah. But they're also investigating why this anti-Catholic memo right. was ever published in the first place. So, Jesse, they're re- you, yeah, they're retracting. But, do you see but how, they're only retracting because they got caught, Terry. That's my point. You see how important it is to push back, brother? Yes. And that's an yeah. example. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, some soul food, Terry. Okay, S- brother. Speak, Lord, your servants short are listening. Short gospel, but it's, Very it's, short. it applies to us. Are we listening? Yeah. Yep. Mark chapter 8, verses 11 to 13. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus. Now, th- this is the establishment right here. Okay, that's okay. Mm-hmm. political. Seeking f- from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Terry, there's a lot of people in our church, unfortunately, oh, yeah. that they don't live by faith. Nope. They live by 
what's happening, what's what's the next phenomenon that's happening around the world. Yep. And we have a lot of uh, good Catholics, Terry, yep. that oftentimes put a lot of stock on, on, on private revelations. If you want to know what the church teaches about private revelations, it's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 66, 67, and 68. Right. Uh, again, the, the long and the short of it is this. We believe in the deposit of faith, what's been publicly revealed by the church, Amen. and public revelation ceased with the death of the, of the last apostle, John. Now, there are private revelations, and the church has authenticated certain private revelations. But private revelations don't supplant or don't, uh, you know, don't modify or change anything to public revelation. We have to remember that. Right. Uh, also, in private revelations, remember, the devil could also feign private revelations. We know from St. Padre Pio, St. John Vianney, many of the great mystical writers, he can feign private revelations. So again, as Catholics, we have to be prudent. Uh, St. Paul does talk about in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, he says, he says, do not despise prophecy. So we don't despise prophecy as Catholics. We wait for the bishop or, or you know, the local ordinary to make a judgment, and uh, and when you could have a certain devotion, I'm, I'm sure, you know, people had devotion to Our Lady of Fatima before it was approved. I, I heard that there was people that for decades oh, yeah. before it was authenticated, yeah. they already had devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. But remember, uh, we have to wait. The faithful need to to, to wait to what, see what Mother Holy Mother Church says. And if the Holy Mother Church declares that an apparition is not worthy of belief. It's not supernatural. We have to be able to walk away from it, Terry. Amen. Remember, divine revelation ended at the death of the last apostle. That's the church teaching. Yeah. And that any of these apparitions have to conform to the gospel message. Yes. Amen. Okay. Hey, brother, uh, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. My good friend Bishop Strickland is with Bishop Sheen. And they're talking about spiritual warfare. And I thought, wow, this sounds like Bishop Sheen. But no. Bishop Strickland said this, Now more than ever, spiritual warfare is our focus. With evil spreading in both the world and in the church, we need education on how the demons operate and the many, and the many powers of the church wielding uh, and presents to us to do combat effectively. And so, Jesse, he said this. He's going to be at our spiritual warfare with yes. Father Chad Ripperger and yourself so I thought, wow, how appropriate, spiritual war. How would you like to have a bishop today speak like that on spiritual warfare? Unbelievable. I wish there were more doing that, Jess. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, Terry, it, a lot of bishops don't recognize the power and the authority of their office. They are the exorcist of the diocese. Exactly. They, are the, they are the chief exorcist. The mandated exorcists are simply the ones that are borrowing the power of the bishop. But wow. the bishop is the chief exorcist of well every said. diocese. Well said. And, and uh, Bishop... Uh, Bishop Strickland is somebody that knows his authority. He does, and I can't wait to have him. If you want to go to our spiritual warfare conference, go online to vmpr.org. Up next, you won't want to miss it, Dr. Kevin Voss talking about Thomas Aquinas' Lenten meditations, 40 days with the angelic doctor. Sign me up for that. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dr. Kevin Voss is with us to talk about his latest book, Aquinas Lenten Meditations, 40 Days with the Angelic Doctor. 
Wow, I said sign me up, Doc. I mean, this is a great book, and I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us again. Hey, for having me on. I'm very honored uh, to be here to talk about this great selection of writings from St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, yeah. Let me let me ask, Kevin, is it Voss or Vos? We want, to, we, want, we want to get it right here. Yeah, is it Voss or Vos? Well, about half the time, it seems to be Voss. <laughs> it, it, it is actually Vos. It is Vos, actually okay. Longo Vos. Okay, Vos. Got it. We'll, we'll get it, Craig. Thanks. We'll just call him Kevin. How's that? Hey, you, uh, you, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I like about your writings, oh, your yeah. books, is that you're you, you're steeped in St. Thomas Aquinas thought, and this is exactly what we have to go to. We have to return to St. Thomas. Oh, that's the renewal of the church. Yeah, this is exactly what happened post-1965 with the modernists. They couldn't stand the scholastics, specifically St. Thomas, and it's good to see that Dr. Kevin Vost is, uh, is uh, bringing him back uh, front <laughs> and center. Good job. So the book is called... Aquinas Lenten Meditations. You can pick this book up from Sophia Press. Great publisher. Great, yeah. One of the, the trusted publishing houses. So, uh, Dr. Kevin Vos, how did you come to be a spokesperson for this <laughs> book by St. Thomas Aquinas? I mean, heck, you guys are 700 years apart. How did you, how did you, become, a spokes, how did you become a spokesman? i got to figure that uh, out now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, too, because this is actually the first book that I've got the chance to interview and talk about and promote that I didn't write. <laughs> Uh, you know, so this book was compiled from from uh, sermons that St. Thomas Aquinas himself mm -hmm. uh, gave. I didn't write a, a word of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but after it came out, Sophia asked me if I would be interested in being the spokesperson. So I was very humbled and, and honored for the chance to do that. And, and kind of the reason they asked me is, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that was born and raised Catholic, went to mass every Sunday, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school in my Late teens, I read some of the wrong philosophers, people like Friedrich Nietzsche and uh, Ayn Rand and Bertrand Russell, became an atheist for 25 years. Oh, whoa. I remember, he, whoa. I've heard this story. This is powerful. What a great witness. Well, yeah, and then and I'm, I'm 43 years old through a series of events. I'm kind of guided by the Love stirrings it. of the Holy Spirit to read St. Thomas Aquinas <laughs> for the first time. You know? I think this is great. There, I'm floored, you know, because I'm finding all these sophisticated <laughs> arguments from these modern atheists that drew me away. Yeah. I'm like, boy, those have been answered more than 700 years ago. Exactly. By this guy within the same church I grew up in. And he's he's borrowing from older philosophers and older uh, church fathers. So anyway, it was in 2004, because of St. Thomas Aquinas, I was drawn back to Christ in the church. And after that time, I started writing a lot of Catholic books that, that tap into my background as a psychologist and, and in other uh, area. So all of my books in one way or another uh, have been influenced by St. Thomas Aquinas. So I think for Sophia, I was kind of like, you know, the, their St. Thomas Aquinas guy or one of yeah. them. Well, so I was honored to be asked to talk about this particular book. It is, You know, Kevin, honor. a lot of people, they, they, they lose their way. They, they leave the church. Specifically, what you just said right now, mm -hmm. they get bad philosophy in state colleges, secular colleges, uh, even even some Catholic colleges. They get bad philosophy and they're off the door. They never come back to church. And uh, so, so what you just said right now, this yeah. is this is not uncommon in the church. And this is why we need a return to St. Thomas Aquinas. Terry, you got a comment? I do. I have a comment. And the next question, my comment is absolutely. As I said at the beginning of the show, the renewal of the Catholic Church in our age is based on going back to Thomas because he answers all the questions our world is asking right now. Uh I have a question, though. When did St. Thomas compose these Lenten reflections? I'm kind of curious about that. 
Sure, you know, so just put people in the context for the time of St. Thomas. I think we briefly kind of hinted at it. Yeah. But he was alive in the, the 13th century, so approximately 1225. We don't know his exact date of birth, as is common for people back then. But around 1225, then he died uh, March 7th, 1274. So he wasn't even 50 years old. So it was sometime in that time span. So it was probably the the third quarter of the 13th century yeah. when Thomas wrote these, about 750 years ago. Got it. But they are so relevant to us, you know, uh, oh. even today. Amen. Yes. So tell us about the book. Uh, and by the way, f- for those that are wondering, what book's he talking about? It's called Aquinas Lenten Meditations. You can pick it up by going to Sophia, Sophia Institute Press, Sophia Institute Press, Aquinas Lenten Meditations by Dr. Kevin Moss. So give us kind of the general structure of the format of the book. How did you write it? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, for this one, I'll point out that this is one that I didn't write. It was, um, yeah, it was, it you was put it uh, together. compiled. Exactly. I put it together. Well, well, I'm, I'm just kind of pr- promoting it here. They allowed me to promote it, but... But I remember it was a, a French priest, I believe, in, in like 1906, translated these these sermons that are found in his writings. And then later, they I think they've been translated into, into English. And now Sophia's just recently come out with this uh, edition. So really, it was very new to me. You know, I'm pretty steeped in the writings of St. Thomas, in the Summa Theologica, the Summa Contra Gentiles, his commentaries on Aristotle, his his biblical commentaries. But yeah. this this was new to me. Um and, and I knew that he had done some some uh, sermons on particular topics, but these particular ones, the Lenten reflections, I had not seen. But but here's how the book is laid out. You know, there's 40 days in Lent, I believe, without counting the six Sundays. So be there there are the entries in there for 46 days. It will take you from Ash Wednesday all the way through Easter. And in each of those, uh, you're given the particular date. You're also given the times of certain traditional feasts when they would fall in there. But each meditation is about uh, two pages long. And, you know, I, I read it to prepare to talk about it. Uh, but through Lent, I plan on going through, you know, two two pages at a time each day and then kind of chewing on them throughout the day. So it's a very simple format. You just follow it through day by day. By the time Lent's over, you've read it all and you've gained all kinds of wonderful insights. Wow. Wow. It sounds great. You know, some people may be daunted and intimidated by St. Thomas Aquinas's writings. I hear that. Oh, no, I'm I'm a simple guy. I can't even I couldn't get into that. Well, is this a difficult book to understand, Kevin? Yeah, and I'll say it's not. And about being daunted, you know, yeah. sometimes when I set up my laptop for these interviews, uh, I have to set it up the right height off of my desk, and I usually use six to eight volumes of the Summa Theologica itself, the Latin English version. <laughs> That's funny. And that hardcover, the, the, the Latin English, is like 30 pounds. So just to give an idea, his greatest book, the Summa Theologica, is about a million and um, 1.8 million words. Wow. You know, and he's given us philosophical terms. He's thrown Aristotle at us. and Yeah form and matter and potency and act and all this. Yep. So it can be daunting if you're not familiar with that. But but this book is not like that. Uh, this book is very, very straightforward, very easy uh, to understand. Uh, so people, the average reader is going to be able to get right into this. So I think, too, it's a wonderful way for a person uh, who has not read Thomas or is kind of fearful about digging into the deeper stuff to get introduced to him because it is simple and straightforward. But you always know you're reading St. Thomas because it is really steeped in scripture. He's mm. constantly 
giving us deep insights from scripture. And he's also constantly citing great church fathers and theologians for both the, the Western church, you know, and the Eastern church. So, so yeah, for maybe people who are a little fearful of reading Thomas, uh, boy, this is, would be a great one to dive in. On. Awesome. Kevin, I, I think you just gave the definition because p- sometimes people will ask, so what is Thomistic philosophy? And I think you answered it. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to repeat what you said. You said, St. Thomas is steeped in sacred scripture, and he's also steeped in the writings of the fathers East and West. So let me ask you the question. When somebody says, what is Thomistic philosophy? Would that be a pretty complete answer to respond, uh, being steeped in sacred scripture and being steeped in the Eastern and Western fathers and then interfacing all those together, that would be Thomistic philosophy. Would that be a fair way to define it? Yeah, I'd say, you know, that, that's the, the, the height of Thomistic philosophy leading into his theology. And another element of Thomas that makes him so great is he also took the greatest of natural truths that oh, were that's really... attainable by reason. Yeah. You know, Aristotle, Plato, the Stoics, and others. Mm. And, and some people criticized him at the time, said, hey, you know, Thomas, you're, you're, you're taking the wine of Christianity and diluting <laughs> it with the water, pagan, of secular philosophy. And Thomas said, no, no, by putting that secular philosophy in the service of the church, we're turning it from water into wine. Well, so, so yes, the, Thomas more than anything else is 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 a Catholic Christian. So more than anything else, he's a master of Scripture. But much of his understanding comes from the Church Fathers. And when he also talks about realms that are accessible to human reason, then he is a master of the best of the secular philosopher from from philosophers primarily who lived before Christ and didn't know him, but but we're able to grasp the truths at the natural level, which then Thomas was able to put in service of the church. In, in fact, he wrote it, didn't he write a line-by-line commentary on the four Gospels, right, yeah, Thomas? Yeah. Yes, yes, he did. He wrote beautiful, beautiful yeah. commentaries. Gospel, commentary on the St. John is wonderful. He wrote commentaries on all the letters That's of St. Paul. He also put together these books called the, the Catina Aurea, the Golden Chain, yep. like for the Gospels, where, where you would read like a particular verse, you know, Matthew, you know, 1-1, and then you're going to see, you know, here's what St. Augustine said. Here's what St. Jerome said. Here's what Chrysostom said. Here's what St. John Damascene said. So just verse by verse, he's giving you like the treasury uh, of the history of the church fathers and their reflections uh, on these verses. And you do get a taste of that in this Lenten meditation book, too. Wow. Well, hmm. Kevin, Ash Wednesday is approaching soon. How does St. Thomas begin his meditations for Ash Wednesday and the days that follow? Yes, you know, so before the first Sunday in Lent, and you're always told exactly, you know, where you are as you right. go through the book. Right. He starts with Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. and he with a meditation on death. And he starts with a scriptural verse, you know, he <laughs> says, By one man sin entered into this world, and by sin death, Roman 5.12. Sure. You know, then he elaborates, because, of course, with, with Ash Wednesday, we're getting our ashes. Remember, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yes. We're keeping our death in mind. Good. His next reflection for the next day is on fasting, and we maybe we can elaborate a little bit more yes. about that in a bit. His third one, I think, is a really cool one. He he, uh, meditates on the crown of thorns, and he starts with an intriguing, at least it was to me, an intriguing verse from the Old Testament, the Canticle of Canticles or Song of Songs or Song of Solomon 3.11. And it goes like this. It says, Go forth, ye daughters of Sion, and see King Solomon in the diadem, wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals and in the day of the joy of his heart. 
So Thomas is saying this is kind of looking forward to the crown that Jesus himself wore, that crown of thorn. The mother who enfleshed in, in him was, was Mary, who, who gave him this human flesh when the, the son, the word of God became uh, incarnate. And the day of his espousal is the day that he you know, died on the cross for us and, and became the spouse to the church and, and earned our salvation for us. So, so the book is full of deep reflections like that. And then the fourth day before the first Sunday uh, is a reflection on the grain of wheat. Uh, from John uh, 12, 24 to 25, unless the grain of wheat falling into the ground die, itself remaineth alone. And he, he gives us that reflection before he moves into the Sundays and, and subsequent days of Lent. Wow. Ke Kevin, I read from one of your other books, your previous books, that you said that um, I think all the popes after St. Thomas have studied him, his philosophy. Oh, yeah. it's, it's almost became something normative amongst the papacy to study St. Thomas, correct? Uh, yes, it really, you know, almost all of them is some great praises. In fact, after I came back to the church in 2004, reading the Summa, there was an essay from Pope Leo XIII on restoring the golden wisdom of St. Thomas. And he was writing in 1879, like not long after Charles Darwin. The Kevin, hold your thought. Hold your thought. We got to take oh, a sure, quick sure. break. I want to hear that. And also we want to talk about what St. Thomas has to say about the value of fasting, something that we need to hear more about. Stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We have Dr. Kevin Boston talking about his latest book, Aquinas Lenten Meditations, 40 Days with the Angelic Doctor. Sophia Press is the publisher of his great book. And I, you were in the middle of telling us something, and I had to break you for the break. So, uh, Kevin, yeah, well, continue. The question I asked you is, uh, Thomas. Do, the, do the Pope's study, is it kind of normative amongst the papacy after St. Thomas to study his philosophy? Mm -hmm. That's what I asked yep, you. That was the question. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I'm just pointing out one particular example that I, that I discovered when I came back to the church in 2004, that in 1879, Pope Leo XIII had written an encyclical uh, on the restoration of the golden philosophy of St. Thomas uh, Aquinas. He was writing in 1879, not long after Darwin's books had come out. There was evolutionary theory. There were a growing number of atheists at the time. And Pope Leo XIII wrote that people who decided they're going to follow reason alone, that's going to be their guide. He said, what's going to bring them back to Jesus and the church is going to be the stirrings of the Holy Spirit and the writings of the great church fathers and scholastics, and especially St. Thomas Aquinas. Wow. So the, 125 years yeah. later, that's exactly what happened to me. And yeah, and many of the popes, one of the popes said, uh, you can get more out of studying Thomas Aquinas in one year than you could of studying uh, everybody else for a lifetime. <laughs> but the reason for that is not like Thomas stands so far above him. Yeah. It's because... He knew them so well when you read him, yeah. you were getting some of the best of the best before him, St. Augustine, Gregory the Great, yeah. so many others. Wow, that's impressive. Jess, the next question about well, fasting? Yeah, Terry, you, you had asked him about fasting. Oh, yeah, what about fasting? What What's the value of fasting? How does Thomas uh, uh, approach yeah, according that? Yeah, to St. Thomas. Yep. How does he approach sure. fasting? And again, you know, the, oh, the book is simple and small. You still get a sense of Thomas. He loves to be very, very logical and orderly. And he, he numbers things. Yeah. Uh, and just three of his enumerations, he says, three reasons we fast. He says, one is to check the desires uh, of the flesh. Oh, there you go. And then he elaborates. St. Paul says, in fasting and chastity in 2 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And then he has a quote that I think is really cool. It's from St. Jerome. And Jerome says, without Ceres and Bacchus, 
Venus would freeze. Now that's interesting because he's citing these Greek mythological yes. goddesses and yeah. gods. So without the god uh, goddess of wheat and the god of wine, the goddess associated with sexual lust would freeze, would, wouldn't be there. I get it. So just saying we, we control our fleshly desires is one thing that can be accomplished through fasting. Awesome. And he says, number two, uh, we fast so that the mind may more freely raise itself to contemplation of the heights. And then he says, we read in the book of Daniel that it was after a fast of three weeks that Daniel received the revelation from God in Daniel 10. And then Thomas explains through the period of Lent, we're trying to raise our minds towards the glorious event of Easter, of Christ's resurrection. So fasting is one thing that helps ready our minds. And then third, he says it makes for satisfaction of sins, which is, it's a form of penance, which, which I think sometimes make people may think of that exclusively, but that's an important aspect, but not the only aspect. It chastises the flesh, yeah. raises the mind. And then Thomas goes into a fast that we might impose on our own self based on, on natural law and what he calls ecclesiastical fasts that the church guides us in fasting through Lent, you know, by setting aside certain fasting days, which are not just good for our own souls, but good for the entire body of the church. Amen. Wow. Great Ke answer. Ke yeah, Kevin, this is, uh, this is probably a huge section of your book or St. Thomas. What did he have to say about Jesus's temptations? What lessons does St. Thomas draw from the temptations of Christ? Yeah, it's an important one. He addresses, you know, early, early on, and there's actually several med meditations. I'll just highlight a few things from, from one of them. He says that, you know, Christ himself willed, voluntarily, he willed to be tempted. He said, for three main reasons we can look at. He said, number one, that he might assist us against our own temptation. Oh, there you go. So Thomas says, you know, through Christ's death, he overcomes death for us. Mm -hmm. Through facing his temptations, he helps us face our own. Hmm. He says, two, now I really like this next one too, to warn us that nobody, no matter how holy, should think he is safe from temptations. Boy, do we need to hear that today. Wow. Yeah. And he elaborates, you know, if we're in a good state of grace, that's when Satan would really love to get his claws into us, right? Yes. To, to pull us down. So I think that's a great reminder that even Jesus Christ, you know, without sin, can be tempted. Not can doesn't sin, but can be tempted. So we must remember, no matter how, how holy we may feel, we're, we're growing. The temptation could still be there for us. And then three, he says, to give us an example of how we should overcome the temptations of the devil by trying to imitate uh, you know, Jesus Christ. And then four, he says to fill and saturate our minds with confidence in Jesus' mercy. You know, here's a man, he has suffered like us, he's been tempted like us, and his heart and love and mercy will go out to us as we face temptation. Wow, I mean, this book sounds so good. I wanna encourage people, don't hesitate, go to Sophia Press, and pick up the book Aquinas Lenten Meditations, Forty Days with the Angelic Doctor. This is like uh, this is like the gospel, man. It's all the good news of Jesus' teachings. Hey, uh, Kevin, how about this question? <clears throat> Why did Thomas say it was fitting that Christ should be crucified with the thieves? Why is that significant? Yeah, this is another meditation I really, really enjoy. Yeah. And this is just a slight snippet, you know, because he gives a lot more to chew on, about two pages worth. But but just give some highlights. Sure. He quotes from St. Augustine, St. Augustine on Christ and the two thieves on their crosses. Yeah. And it says here, Augustine says, the cross itself was a tribunal. In the center was the judge. To one side was a man who believed and was set free. To the other side, a scoffer, and he was condemned. And then Thomas tells us, St. Hilary says, this typifies the whole of humanity in reference to believers and non-believers, the believers being saved by justifying faith, 
And then finally, he gives us a quote from the great Eastern father, St. John Chrysostom. So St. John Chrysostom chimes in saying that to convert the thief on the cross and to turn him to paradise was as great a miracle as the earthquake that occurred at Jesus' death. Incredible. That's, that's kind of profound. Wow. Mm. That's, yeah, wow. yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Kevin, the book's back cover material, it mentions meditations that are included uh, on forgotten or little known feast days. Can you give us, the audience, one example of some of these little known or forgotten feast days? Sure, sure, I'd be happy. And the, the first one that caught my attention is called The Feast of the Holy Lance and the Nails of Our Lord, which is the first Friday after the first Sunday uh, of Lent. And we're, we're given a, a quotation from John 1934. One of the soldiers with a spear opened his side and immediately there came out blood and water. Then Thomas says the gospel deliberately says opened and not wounded because through our Lord's side, there was open to us the gate of eternal life. Then he cites Revelation 4.1. After these things, I look and behold, a gate was opened to heaven. And then there's other meditations, you know, comparing the, the water to baptism, the blood to the, the Eucharist, the both, both water and blood to the Eucharist in another sense. So, so just full of richness for, for these uh, feasts like this Feast of the Holy Lamps and Nails. I let love... me ask you. Let me ask you about those particular feast yeah, days. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, which I think I already know the answer. <laughs> those feast days were obviously taken off the calendar post 1965. Correct? Yes, that that's that's my understanding. Yeah, the, these were feasts that would have been on the Three. the uh, uh, original calendar for the Tridentine Mass, which was the Mass, you know, of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Sure, that makes time. sense. Right. right. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, okay, I just felt like I got when you when you said that. I felt like I just got punched in the gut. Just all the the richness of Catholicism. A lot of this has been redacted, and this is not. Uh, it hasn't helped anybody draw closer to Christ and, and and become holier as a result of redacting some of these great feast days. Kevin, that's my comment. Yeah, Kevin, let me ask you this because there's you you have some favorite passages from these meditations, and I notice that you're always quoting the saints, which I really appreciate Thomas doing. Is there a particular favorite? passage you could give us on this meditation? Sure, I'd be happy to, you know. Uh, and again, I didn't write this, so I wrote it down, so I'm going to look at this, but this really struck me when I first mm -hmm. came across it. And this is from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Oh, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, absolutely beautiful. And, and, you know, another thing I love about Thomas, he's, he's giving us these great insights oh, from yeah. great saints like this. Yeah. He also so here's what St. Bernard Crusades. Yeah. <laughs> he also found mm -hmm. the Crusades. Yep, that's right. Just a quick, I yeah. guess he wouldn't let that get by. He, he was a man's man. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead with he the was. He was. Another saint I like is St. Aylred of Riveau that oh. wrote the book Spiritual Friendship and Mirror of Charity. And in one of those books, Bernard himself commissioned him to write it. He kind of commanded him <laughs> as a Cistercian to I write this. It. I'm glad he did. <laughs> yeah, really. But but here's the, uh, yeah, St. Bernard on, on on the cross. So something to think about. Anytime we look at a crucifix, I have one behind me now, and I look at it differently now once I read this. Mm -hmm. Bernard says, who is not carried away to hope and confidence in prayer when he looks on the crucifix and sees how our Lord hangs there, the head bent as though to kiss, the arms outstretched in embrace, mm. the hands pierced to give, the side opened to love, and the mm. feet nailed to remain with us and then Thomas immediately moves into a meditation of Christ as the rock. And he's pulling from the Song of Songs 2.14, where it says, Come, my dove, in the clefts of the rock. And Thomas says, 
It is in the wounds of Christ that the church builds her nest and waits for the passion of our Lord that she places her hope of salvation and therefore trust to be protected from the craft of the falcon, that is, of the devil. Kevin, I have to mention that Brother Andre Bessette, who's a saint, he was asked by his brothers at a luncheon, uh, they're eating their lunch, and they play, they read from books, and they asked Brother, who really was just a simple soul, uh, and he had to give us a meditation on the crucifixion. And so he came up with this great meditation, and you know where he got it from? St. Thomas. He said, look at a crucifix. They said, what book did you get that out of? Brother Andre said, I didn't read it out of a book. I was on my knees in front of a crucifix. You see, that's St. Thomas, uh, you know, that's the way St. Thomas taught. So Brother Andre, who was the doorkeeper at, in Montreal for all those years, who wasn't a mm -hmm. learned man, mm -hmm. could take St. Thomas's example of getting down on your knees in front of a crucifix and have that insight. This book is for everyone, in my take. Yeah, yeah. you want to that's get a, That's book. a beautiful a beautiful message there, because Thomas, yeah, he even said, as known as he was for study, yes. he said he attained more knowledge through prayerful, exactly. you know, through prayer with God than he did from his actual studies. Wow, what a statement. The book is called Aquinas Lenten Meditations, Sophia Institute Press. Aquinas Lenten Meditations, Dr. Kevin Vost. You definitely want to get this book. Exactly. I, I got another question for you, but I think uh, we're sneaking yeah, Let up me on just the, make uh, a little a commercial break. about the Spiritual Warfare yes. Conference coming up with Father Chad Ripperger. There's still room there. Bishop Joseph Strickland will be there. You go to vmpr.org, or if you want to sign up, call us at 877-526-215. We probably won't have any more tickets in another week because we're getting close to our capacity. So at least I told you, don't hesitate. He who hesitates is lost. Call 877-526-2151. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We got Kevin Vos here. He just wrote a book, phenomenal book, Amen. called Aquinas Lenten Medication, Sophia Institute Press. Kevin, did any of Thomas's reflections surprise you? Uh, you know, for example, maybe some of the reflections on the Samaritan woman on the well. Uh, is there something there that jumped out at you as you went, as you combed through the great doctor's works? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And that that actually was was one of them, uh, you know, because he's talking mostly about themes that are right around right around Lent and the Holy Week and so forth. But he does give a reflection on the when Jesus met that woman at the well. Yeah. And in a way, it surprised me. But then I got thinking about it more. I thought, well, no, maybe it shouldn't have surprised me because Thomas was a Dominican. They're officially known as the Order of Preachers. Yes. So he wasn't just some university professor. You know, he went out and gave sermons and get, you know homilies like what these meditations are based upon. But he talks about basically that that Samaritan woman's her her wonderful methods of preaching that we read about in Scripture. So to give you a, a taste of this, uh, he starts with uh, John four twenty eight. The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city. So Thomas says, "This is her. She's leaving now." to preach, to preach the gospel of Jesus whom she's just met. So he says, number one, notice she surrendered entirely, leaving her things lying there. Mm -hmm. So great was her absorption. And he points out this was the case for the apostles who dropped their fishing nets to follow Jesus. So first step of good, uh, of good preaching of the, the gospel, leave behind those worldly things, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, he said, uh, it, it, her preaching was shown to, he said, by the multitude of people to whom she tells 
uh, the news, not just a few, but to the whole city. Then he says, think about these three methods of her preaching. He says, she invites them to look upon Christ. She says, come and see a man, asking them to see with their own eyes and not to believe something they might have found uh, blasphemous just because she said it. She says, appealing to them, to their own, their own uh, senses. Two, she gives them a hint that Christ is God. Quote, a man who has told me all things whatsoever I have done, you know, like the number of her husbands, and she's not ashamed of that because the soul, once it is lighted up with a divine fire, in no way looks to earthly values and standards. So that's the second point he says. Number three, so she suggests that this proves the mastery of Christ, saying, is not he the Christ? He says she doesn't want to leave the impression that she had presumed she's some kind of teacher. She questions the people and prompts them to use their own judgment. And then he says her teaching had fruits. Therefore, they therefore went out of the city and came unto Christ, John 4.30. So hereby it is made clear to us that if we would come to Christ, we must also go out of the city, which is to say, we must lay aside all love of bodily delights. Well, Kevin, I said this earlier in the show that I believe, I truly believe that the renewal of the Catholic faith will come from a study of St. Thomas, in-depth study of him, because let's be honest, for 50 years, you know, even though the teachings say that the seminarians are supposed to have a good grasp of Thomistic philosophy, a lot of my friends didn't get Thomas. And so I'm seeing a lot of my friends who study Thomas after they're ordained, it just gives them such richness and powerful preaching because of Thomas Aquinas. So uh, I just think that this is really going to be important, your book, to help <laughs> renew the church. My last question is, how does Thomas explain that we should watch wash each other's feet physically or spiritually? Yeah, I found this very interesting, yeah. uh, uh, too. And he starts by quoting John 3, 13, 14. Okay. If I then, uh, being your Lord and Master, have washed your feet you must also wash one another's feet. Mm -hmm. So does it mean we're literally supposed to go around with soap and a towel? You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but then he, he quotes from St. Augustine. St. Augustine says, every man ought to wash the feet of his fellows, either actually or in spirit. So what does it mean to wash a person's feet in spirit? Mm. And Thomas says, number one, by giving, by forgiving offenses, he oh, has done. Wow. He nailed it. He nailed it. Wow. And, and he cites Colossians uh, 3.13. So he's also got scriptural backup oh, yeah. for all of this. Yeah. Yeah. He says, two, by praying for the forgiveness of sins. And then he cites James uh, uh, 5.16. I got that one right. And then three, he says, you know, priests, by the authority, uh, uh, by forgiving sins through the powers of the keys, Christ gave the church as in the sacrament uh, of reconciliation. There's a special way, you know, that for yeah. special forgiveness of sins. So Thomas says, further, in, in the one act of washing the disciples' feet, our Lord showed all the works of mercy. He who gives bread to the hungry washes his feet, as does also the man who harbors a harborless, or the man who clothes the naked. So anytime we, we take care of the bodily and spiritual needs of our neighbor, in a sense, you know, we are spiritually washing their feet as Christ called us to. Beautiful. Powerful. This is deep, deep stuff. So how did Christ manifest all the virtues as he hung upon the cross? That's uh, oh yeah, that's an intellectual charting. Well, that'll right take us an hour. Ex explain <laughs> that to us. It sure could. So I better be real brief. Just give a few highlights. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. So, yeah. So yeah, and that's too something Thomas, St. Augustine, others, they have a lot of lessons about what Christ did right while he was on the cross. Yeah. You know, we have the, 
the meditation on the seven last words, and there, there's a variety of things we learn. But Thomas says, for example, charity, the highest of the virtues, this greater love has no man than this, that he laid on his life for the for a friend. So John, so there it is yeah. you know, from John 15, 13. It's this patience. The patience of Jesus on the cross was the greatest patience ever shown. And he cites verses from Lamentations, 1 Peter, Isaiah, Matthew, and Hebrews to show uh, how it was foreseen that Jesus would suffer. And that Jesus himself said, you know, he could call forth legions of angels and come and to save him, but he did not, you know. So he willingly did this. He was patient to endure all this for us. Humility, uh, he was willed to be judged by Pontius Pilate. It says, thy cause hath been judged as that of the wicked. Job 36, 17, Jesus is willing to be sentenced as if he was wicked. Mm. Wisdom 2.20, let us condemn him to die a most shameful death. So Christ in his humility is willing to take that on. And then one last one he mentions here, obedience. He was, quote, obedient unto death, as we read in Philippians 2.8. For as the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. So also by the obedience of one man, uh, many shall be made just. Wow. It all fits, doesn't it? Wow. Incredible with his his uh, scripture back his you know his scriptural verses that he supports yeah, everything. He was he deep said. in scripture. Wow. He was deep in scripture and the fathers of the church. Wow. And also, I think would it be a fair statement to say, Kevin, that he he was obviously deep in scripture, deep in the fathers of the church, but he also knew the uh, the, pa- the 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 wise pagan thinkers, and he gleaned from them yeah, they, those things that were consistent with with probably divine revelation and also maybe even natural law. He probably said, okay, these guys got it. They, they got it right on natural law. So I'm going to take from Plato. I'm going to take from Aristotle. They yeah. got it right here on natural law. Would that be fair to say that they gleaned from oh. them on natural law? Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. And I think that's another reason he's so important today. We see these false dichotomies, science versus religion, faith versus reason. Yeah. And Thomas was a man that showed us anything that's actually true that science can find for us, that reason can deduce. Well, of course it's true because there's a God is truth. There's no conflicting truths. Mm-hmm. Faith and reason do not contradict. Exactly. Though faith can take us to realms higher than reason can reach on its own. But Thomas is so important because he's a great respecter of reason, but he is also aware of its limitations, which are supplied to us through revelation, through God's own revelation to us. Kevin, I'm Kevin, gonna make you feel uncomfortable yeah. when I say this to you. Okay. Here he's looking at me like, what? I'm just gonna say. Uh-oh. We have in our church right now a lot of confusion. Bishop Strickland talked about the evil that's going on. And we have prelates who are teaching things that are not part of the deposit of the faith. Okay? And it seems to me that Thomas is really the answer to have good thought processes on theology because it sounds to me like a lot of our prelates are reading more of secular philosophy rather than St. Thomas. And so would you agree that St. Thomas could help a lot of our prelates with some clear thinking, especially when it comes to even the moral teachings of the church? I think precisely, you know, uh, precisely, Terry, because, you know, I, I grew up and went to Catholic schools in the 60s and 70s when some of these new ideas, the modernistic ideas were very popular. Yes. I knew nothing about St. Thomas Aquinas. If, if I had known Thomas Aquinas mm-hmm. in my younger years, I never would have spent 25 years as an atheist. Amen. So I think yeah, he is a very potent answer for our church. I mean, a guide to to, to right reason and, and the truth of the faith. Amen, brother. Wow. Hey, Kevin, how can uh, listeners obtain Aquinas Lenten Meditation 40 Days with the Angelic Doctor? Where can they pick up the book? Yeah, it's from Sophia Institute Press. So the first stop could be their own website, sophiainstitute.com. And if you have a local Catholic bookstore, maybe they have it or could get it. Yeah, support the local bookstore, too. We've been big promoters of that because it's hard to stay in, in business. Mm-hmm. We've done it for decades. And 
uh, that, that would be a good thing. But please don't go to Amazon. I'll be honest with no, you. Don't no. go to Amazon. Go to Sophia Press Institute. Go to your local Catholic bookstore. Yes. Pick up the book. The length that you will experience this year will change your life. I think uh, the one of the elements that I make a commitment to is for Lent, increase our spiritual reading. If someone would make that one commitment to increase 15, 20 minutes of, of a day and using this book as your meditation, oh, it would be a home run. That's my take. Yeah, Kevin, uh, just one last question. Does St. Thomas, his, uh, one of the reasons that he wrote, wasn't there like a competing philosopher that Islam put out, a guy named Averroes, oh. and he was answering some of Islamic's faulty philosophy? Isn't that in part why he wrote the Summa, at least a part of it, to answer some of the faulty... I mean, just it's just cl- clean up what I said. Am I tracking on the right direction? I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I'm trying response. to recall that event. Yeah, it was a response. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. There were Avicenna, there was Averroes, there were a few of these Middle Eastern uh, uh, Muslim theologians, philosophers that were partly they were reinterpreting uh, Aristotle, which which Thomas did too, but leading to some very grave grave errors. So yes, part of Thomas's. Uh, uh, his, his program what was to clear up their errors and his book okay. before the Summa Theologica, the Summa Contra Gentiles, the, the work against the, the Gentiles was also directed, you know, to, to correct those errors and lead people to the truth. So, yeah, Thomas was well versed in in philosophy from from the, you know, the pagan sources, also what was being written by the Jewish thinkers of the time, by the Muslim thinkers of the time. Uh, and, and he was well versed in all of them and wanted to guide people to the truth, to separate the wheat from the chaff and whatever system was out there and let's pray that saint thomas comes again to our church to correct some of the errors <laughs> yeah. even in our church today Amen. he is the angelic doctor we need to go to that's my take kevin yep i say amen yep. to that all right well i want to thank one more you time. one more time how can people get hold of your book one more time where do they go to sophieinstitute.com or your local catholic bookstore amen perfect perfect kevin thanks again for joining us stay with us we're going to ask jesse a big question that saint thomas would ask jesse what state should we be living in live in a state of sanctifying grace don't live in a state of mortal sin become holy or die trying what else is there guys and remember our lady of fatima said it we talked about saint thomas this is very optimistically our lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them that's a very a lot a very sound advice of scripture so can we all join in make some sacrifices for the salvation of souls i don't care if you're four years old you can participate in that again i want to thank kevin for joining us here on the terry and jesse show folks you can listen to this podcast send it to your friends and family and i also want to thank you again for your support here at virgin most powerful radio Don't hesitate to go to our website to find out about the men's conference with Jesse Romero and Johnny Romero and other events. Go to vmpr.org. May God richly bless you and your family. And get that book from Sophia Press. And this is a great book for all of us to be reading on St. Thomas Aquinas. God love you and your family.